This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Julian McKenzie on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, it is our two on a Friday. Sportsnet Today rolling on. Logan Gordon, Julian McKenzie in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Going Foundation Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Lots on the Flames and their next opponent, the Edmonton Oilers, in our one, including a chat with Avery Lewis McDougal, who covers the Oilers. For the hockey news, if you missed any of it, check us out on the podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite pod catcher. Cam and Connor are outstanding producers this hour. Logo and Julian along with you. It's a lot quieter without uh, yeah, no Shan. It is just bliss. Yeah, it's just kind of. I mean, I kind of. You know, I think you could be a little hard on the little guy. I, I, pressure makes diamonds. I, I mean, you're not wrong with that, but uh, <laughs> you know what? I have no bar for that. That's pretty good. Uh, Logan and Julian along with you. We'll still uh, finish off the week with the Friday DMs coming up in just a little bit. Very happy to kick off hour two. Talking some of the biggest headlines in hockey right now with our next guest, Scott Laughlin, NHL Network radio host on Sirius XM Radio. Scott, thanks as always for the time, sir. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing, boys? We are doing great. Uh, excited for another Battle of Alberta tomorrow. Flames picked up a big win against the Bruins, so uh, we got lots to discuss around here. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. I enjoyed the overtime period in particular last night against the Bees. That was fabulous stuff, and I know the Bees came close on a couple of different occasions, and the iron jumped in there, but Markstrom did what he could, and look, the guy's playing well. Whether or not he's in his last couple of weeks as a Calgary Flame remains to be seen, but uh, we know he sort of made some Swedish hockey history last night by moving into second on the all-time list, so uh, he's playing well, and uh, that will bode well for Calgary, you would think, in some way, shape, or form. Let me ask you about that specifically. We've obviously been in the middle of it here with Hannafin, Tanev, Lindholm, and recently Jacob Markstrom. But, Scott, when I say that to you, Jacob Markstrom to the New Jersey Devils, does that make sense for both sides in your mind? Well, it makes sense for New Jersey, that's for sure. I think that they are looking for an upgrade between the pipes, and we like the story of young Nico Dawes, but... You know, if you're New Jersey and you're coming off such a great regular season last season where you got people excited about your team, this season you've kind of taken a step back and you've had some injuries certainly that you've had to overcome along the way. And then you've got your goalie Vitek Vanacek really not being an option right now and not being healthy enough to really carry the load. I think you've got some concerns. So I think that they would love to go out and they'd love to, first of all, find a power play goal. They're two for 46 in their last 14 games. So any way that they could score with the men advantage would be a step in the right direction. But I think that they would like to upgrade in goal for Calgary. I look at Calgary the same way I look at Nashville at this point, and I don't know they're pretty much neck and neck. The Flames are three points back of the Predators, and each team is trying to creep into a wild card spot in the Western Conference. But if I'm Calgary and I'm still in it right now, I don't think I'm moving Markstrom. I can wait the extra number of months before you promote Dustin Wolf. Maybe look at something during the off season. I think if you're all in it to get to the playoffs. Tanev is going to be a different situation, Hannafin in a different situation, expiring contracts and such. I think that plays into it. Uh, but if I'm Calgary and I've got my number one keeper playing this way, 
I'm probably going to ride it out with him for the rest of the season and then pick up the pieces uh, during the summertime. The same is my thought process when it comes to the Predators because I think any speculation with regards to UC Saros being traded, I think is exactly that, just pure speculation at this point. If you're Nashville and you're right there to making it, I can't see dealing away a guy of the caliber of a UC Saros. So I think if I'm Calgary, if I'm Nashville, I'm standing pat, at least for the next couple of months between the pipes. With respect to the Nashville Predators in their situation, the most interesting team ahead of the NHL trade deadline is the Calgary Flames, right? Like, they're the central team in all of this. They have the most enticing assets of anyone. Uh, when you look at the trade boards, like I, I can think of my colleague Chris, Chris Johnson at The Athletic, and every time he's put out a trade board, some member of the Calgary Flames is number one, or it could be number one through number three or number one through number four. The Calgary Flames assets are much more enticing than any other piece that is available. Again, with respect to the Predators and Sean Walker and other guys on that trade board list, from your vantage point and, and, and following the game as much as you do, what do you think of that storyline and, and how that's kind of holding up this trade deadline talk together? Julian, I think you're 100% absolutely bang on with that assessment. I think the Calgary Flames right now are are the ones that are holding all the cards. I think that the fun starts when Calgary says we're jumping into the pool and we're moving somebody out, whether it's Hannafin or Tanev or maybe to a lesser extent Markstrom. Uh, once the deals start to fall, uh, the dominoes start to fall. And I kind of compare this to July 1st when free agency starts. And we kind of look at you know the free agent board and, and the top guys available. Once the top guys start to go and once they sign contracts uh, with new teams or staying with their, their, their own teams, uh, then I think everything starts to fall into pieces and everything seems to pick up steam and that, that carousel starts to spin. So uh, I think you're bang on with that assessment. I think that everybody's waiting on Craig Conroy at this point to find out what he's going to do if in fact he's going to move these guys out and once that starts to happen I think that all of a sudden we're going to see a lot more activity uh, for those of us of course uh, you guys included who are involved in, in in trade deadline day activity we're kind of hoping it all just waits until March the 8th and we'll have a lot to talk about that particular day oh you don't want to have it all come out ahead of time but look when it happens Craig Conroy I think will be the first one to really jump in that pool and start to get active. So you already said, you know, it's going to be a different story with Hannafin. It's going to be a different story with Tanev with those two guys moving. If I were to ask you for a prediction right now, February 23rd, how many days away from the March 8th trade deadline? Does Jacob Markstrom get traded before then? What is your prediction? Boy, look, I mean, you go back about a week or so ago, and we heard all the speculation about the deal with the Devils and, you know, how close that actually came. Um like I said, do I think he'll be traded? Possibly. Would I trade him? Absolutely not. I, I would keep him as my number one goaltender. Uh, I guess I'm trying to skirt the issue here, Logan, a little bit. That's okay. uh, I wish I could give you a more definitive answer. In my opinion, I wouldn't move him. You know how I feel. I just mentioned that. Uh, is there a chance he gets traded? Uh, yeah, I think there's a chance based upon some of the smoke we had surrounding that recent, uh, again, speculation surrounding the Flames and the Devils. So uh, we'll wait and see. Now, if you're Calgary and you're in the mix, uh, look, do you take a Vanacek back or somebody like that uh, that can be more or less a stopgap measure? Will you take a Schmidt back? Uh, I think the future, obviously, as Flames fans know, is going to revolve around Dustin Wolf. So is Dustin Wolf going to get you into the playoffs? Is Dan Vladar healthy and productive going to get you into the playoffs? Uh, I think that that's a question. Uh, again, would Vanacek coming back healthy the other way? Would that get you into the playoffs? I think that's a question. With Markstrom, their chances are a lot better, and that's why I would hold on to him. Oh, I, I agree with you there. I also wonder, and this is me projecting into the future here, if the Flames were to keep Jacob Markstrom, 
and mm-hmm. he continues to play on that run that he's on. He's he's completely rebounded from a poor season that he had last year. Considering the quality of goalies we've seen this year, this again, me projecting into the future here, if he finds a way to get them into the playoffs, I wonder how that affects his 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 votes that he could get for a Vesna trophy. I think Connor Hellebuck has that on lock, but I wonder what that does for his candidacy. Because at some point, if it gets to a point where the Flames make the are making the playoffs, he's likely going to be that reason. And we might have to start discussing that. Yeah, look, he's been really, really good, especially of late, like we say. And look, I don't know that he's ever going to get back to where he was a couple of years ago. I mean, you guys saw it. What do you have, nine shutouts that year? Like, it was just ridiculous yeah. how yes. good he was. Uh, and then, of course, the playoff series against Edmonton, and everybody knows that didn't work out well for him. And, you know, maybe he's not been to that level ever since. But he's getting back slowly but surely uh, to being a top-quality goaltender. You're right. Uh, you couldn't see him ahead of the likes of, of a Connor Hellebuck, I don't think, before it's all said and done. Uh, but the reality of the situation is is that he's playing well. It would give some food for thought for the offseason, too, if they hold on to him and the Flames get to the playoffs. And, and who knows, if they get in, as we know, in the NHL these days, you get in with a ticket, you've got a chance to win. It's been proven time and time again in the Eastern Conference. Florida proved that again last spring. So you get in, you get a hot goaltender like Markstrom playing with confidence. You never know where it can go. Uh, then maybe that either A, ups his trade value during the offseason, or B, you can hold on to him even further, and you can maybe find a way to move out a Dan Vladar uh, type, uh, and you can run with a tandem, at least for a short period, of Markstrom with the goalie of the future, the guy that will take the keys to the car from him eventually, and Dustin Wolf too. So, look, they're, they're dealing from a position of strength right now, the Calgary Flames are. I think that there are a lot of teams out there that I think are, are, are really – uh, looking for an upgrade between the pipes. Like we say, New Jersey right there at the top of the list. Uh, I think Calgary can sit back and say, you know what, if it works, we'll take it to Markstrom and we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, I'm going to take Julian's uh, question asking about an award to uh, a player on another award with you, Scott. The pace that Austin Matthews is on is something we haven't seen in a very, very long time. He's blown past the 50-goal mark. He's on pace for 75 or 76 goals by the time it's all done. And that's brought up an interesting conversation. If he hits the 70-plus goal plateau, is he a shoe-in for the Hart Trophy in your mind? Yeah, I think that's the, the deciding factor. I think that's the difference maker, Logan. I think if he gets to 70, I think that that ends the discussion right there. And that's with all due respect to Kucherov, who's been in this position before, and he's put himself in this position again. He's been really, really good. We know about Nate McKinnon, the point streak at the ball center in Denver, and the whole bit. He's been really good. Connor McDavid hard charging like he has been has been really, really good. But, yeah, I think that if Austin Matthews gets to 70, 75, now they're saying 76, 77 could be within reach. If he gets there, I mean, those are numbers we haven't seen in quite some time. We're talking about decades, really. And I think that's the deciding factor. You could make the case that right now, not only is he the best goal scorer on the planet, he might be the best player on the planet, too. Lost in all of the shuffle is the fact that he's become a better all-round player. You'll see him out there late in games. You'll see him, uh, you know, doing his best Sidney Crosby impersonation, protecting his own end of the rink and being down by the hash mark so I think he's made strides in different areas of his game but let's face it nobody can shoot the puck like him with the release that he's got nobody can score like him with the release that he's got he's got 52 and counting and I think that once again he'll be making some speeches when it comes to hardware at the end if in fact he gets to 70 plus how much does the performance of the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, matter in that discussion I know they're on a really good run of late 
people will say it's because they're rallying around the Morgan Riley suspension. We're not going to get into that. But like, how much do you think it has to do with for 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 Austin Matthews' candidacy for the Hart Trophy and the fact that this Leafs team before that winning streak, a lot of people were kind of looking a little down on that roster and wondering if Brad Treliving, the general manager, should be really doing much at the deadline to make them better. Well, you know, what's changed the last couple of weeks has been the fact that they've had secondary scoring. I mean, we saw it last night in Vegas, and they built that 4 nothing lead, and really it wasn't the usual suspects who were putting the puck in the net for the blue and white. So they built the 4 nothing lead. They kind of cruised to victory. I know once they got up 6-1 in Vegas, scored a couple of times early in the third, it became a little bit more interesting, but not much. Matthews has his 52nd, and everybody goes home happy. Uh, look, they, they, the last couple of weeks during the course of this winning streak, uh, and you're right, the reality is people are saying, hey, did Woodley, Ridley Gregg wake up the Toronto Maple Leafs with what happened a couple of weeks ago in <laughs> Ottawa? That got their attention. That's galvanized this team for whatever reason. For whatever reason, too, they seem to play well without their number one defenseman, Morgan Riley, the all-star in their lineup. And I can't figure that one out, but it just works. The team's kind of rallied around that. Uh, the Leafs are a playoff team. They, they have been uh, from the outset, I think. The questions, as we know, guys, we'll start game 83 onwards. Hey, can you win another round? Hey, heck, can you win a couple of rounds here? You're, you're such a talented squad, but you still have to prove it to us to a certain extent come playoff time in the spring. So uh, I think that that's when the question marks begin. But when you're talking about the regular season, Toronto's been as good as anybody the last handful of years. They just have to prove that they can do it at playoff time. And I think a lot of it, too, regardless of what we say about secondary scoring and such, a lot of it's going to fall on the shoulders of Matthews at playoff time. A lot of it's going to be on Mitch Marner, uh, John Tavares, and, and, and William Nylander. These guys are paid the most money. The big four, of course, as they're called. These guys have to bring it at postseason time. It's one thing to do it during the regular season, uh, but the questions have to be answered come playoff time. They're going to have to produce, and they're going to have to step up like we see each and every season, whether it's a McKinnon for Colorado, whether it's a guy like Mark Stone. We hope we can see him in the playoffs for Vegas stepping up. Guys like that generally arrive on the scene when the games are most important. It's going to be up to Matthews and company to do that as well coming up in April. Has this winning streak, you think, clarified Brad Treliving's position when it comes to the trade deadline and what he needs to do, Scott? Well, I think from the outset, Logan, it, it's been about adding on the back end, and, and I think that they are going to try to add. Now, whether that's Tanev, because, of course, him coming home to Ontario and coming back to Toronto has been all the rage. The problem is the Leafs don't have a first-rounder that they can really throw around. A lot of people are just assuming if, if, if the Leafs had a first-rounder and they were willing to part with a first-round pick, uh, they do have a first-rounder, but they might not be willing to do it just because of the fact that they've, they've given up a lot of picks over the last couple of years and the cupboards aren't exactly full uh, with draft capital at this point. But if they were willing to give up a first-round pick, uh, many thinking the deal with, with Tanev coming home would be done with, with Calgary. But again, they're not willing to do that, at least at this point. The more teams that get involved, the closer we get to March the 8th, maybe they, they change their outlook on that whole situation. But I think it's always been about adding on the back end. Uh, I think that they, they've had a couple of big stories really develop this season. Jake McCabe's turned out to be a, a more than serviceable guy back there as a physical presence. I think Simone Benoit, the same way. Uh, just a, a depth pick up uh, we thought initially uh, and, and he's really stepped up his game too that having been said as we know if you're going to make a run we say it every time of the year right around this point especially with the deadline coming up if you're going to make a run you have to go seven eight nine defensemen deep uh, the Leafs do need to get deeper on the blue line I think the secondary scoring concerns have kind of gone by the wayside here like I said the last couple of weeks we've seen more from Matthew Nyes uh, we have seen uh, Bobby McMahon become a cult hero around the city of Toronto uh, we see Max Domi now with a second line center 
pivot position coming his way, and he's producing some more offense too. So uh, I think that they're they're feeling better about putting the puck in the net beyond the big four. But I also think that I mean it's got to be done at some point. It, it's it's got to be a defenseman or maybe even two coming to Toronto to see them win a couple of rounds. Scott, I want to continue with you around the league here. I'm really intrigued with the Pittsburgh Penguins situation. Kyle Dubas spoke to the media earlier this week just to address how the season's been going for them right now. They are about, what, seven points out of a wild card spot as we speak. The Tampa Bay Lightning have that second and final wild card spot in the Eastern Conference. This Penguins team just not in the position that they thought they would be with the players that they accumulated. Uh, Sidney Crosby seems like he doesn't really want to go anywhere, but if you're Kyle Dubas and you have to sell off some assets, it seems like everyone else is for sale beyond that core. Uh, what, what have you made of that situation in Pittsburgh? Well, it's an aging team, as we know. I think they are the oldest team in the NHL right now. They don't have many cards that they can play. The one card that they can play, of course, is hurt, and that's Jake Gensel. And it sounds like he's going to be hurt right through the trade deadline. So, again, does that limit maybe the asset or assets that you're going to be getting back from a particular team for Jake Gensel? Uh, who can be on some teams a top-line winger? On other teams, he might slot into a second-line role. But he's still a guy that can put the puck in the net. He's had Stanley Cup pedigree, of course. Uh, and, and he's one of the guys on an expiring contract uh, that Kyle Dubas could look at moving out. I think he probably w- will look at moving him out uh, again because he's going to be hurt going to his new team. Is that going to be an extra week or two on the back end? Are you worried about a recurrence of the injury? Uh, the team picking up Jake Gensel and giving up assets in return would have to figure that all out ahead of time. But I don't think there's much you can do with this roster right now. I think he's kind of walked into these veteran guys. Uh, Brian Burke was told, look, we want another parade when he took over uh, in Pittsburgh, of course, and they started to run the show uh, in Pittsburgh the way that they did with Ron Hextall back in the day. And I think the same message was conveyed by the Fenway Sports Group to Kyle Dubas when he took over as the general manager uh, as well. So uh, I think in the short term here, I think that Kyle Dubas, uh, despite what he said a couple of days ago, I'm going to let the team prove it to me that we need to go out and add to this team. I think he's somewhat handcuffed in terms of what he can do with this roster. Now, in the offseason, can you look at doing something a little bit more monumental? Uh, if, in fact, you don't make the playoffs or if you get in and you're a first-round-and-out type team, I think that all bets could be off at that point. But at least in the short term, I really feel like Dubas has his hands tied and there's real limited options for him. Jake Kensel might be the only guy I could really see going out maybe Raleigh Smith as well who's been a little bit disappointing coming in from Vegas those are the two names maybe that could be moving out to try to get something back in return but that's that's pretty much it beyond that I'll ask you about one more metropolitan team of the New York Rangers uh, they played against the Calgary Flames uh last week and when they beat them that's their that was their fifth win in a row they've now gone on to win nine in a row and Igor Shosturkin is starting to look like the Igor Shosturkin we're supposed to both to see from him at the NHL level. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are your thoughts on the New York Rangers? This is a stacked team. Uh, this is a clear-cut Stanley Cup contender, as the nine-game winning streak and leading the Metropolitan Division would, would tell us. Uh, this is a team, though, that was looking for some upgrades up front, uh, namely on the wing, and that was before Blake Wheeler got hurt. Uh, we're not quite sure if we're going to see Blake Wheeler play again, right? When you get to be that age and you have such a significant injury, we hope that's not the case. We hope he can come back and, you know, get another contract and, and continue on. And you don't want to see uh, for a guy like that, it end this way. But in the meantime, in the short term, I think the Rangers would be looking to add on the wing at some point. Uh, and, and again, there are, there are the familiar names out there. 
Uh, we've heard Anthony Mantha from Washington, players like that that could be had, a Max Pacioretty from Washington. Now, would the Capitals want to do business with the Rangers? Not quite sure because the Caps, of course, have won three straight now and put themselves into a conversation as well in the Eastern Conference. But I think a shopping list for Chris Drury at this point is going to include finding a winger, preferably a top-six caliber type winger, uh, that could be a difference maker for the Rangers. But beyond that, this is a deep team. Uh, this is a team that is really, really good on the back end, of course, when you talk about Fox and the physical presence of a, a Truba back there and you talk about the developing Keandre Miller and even Lindgren's been a, an unsung hero for them. Obviously, the one-two punch and goal is pretty much as good as anybody's got this season. Uh, Shesterkin, like you say, Logan, I mean, coming off the All-Star break, uh, he was the goaltender that had that tete-a-tete with Benoit Allaire, the goaltending guru, and it seemed to work wonders for him. He's been different since the All-Star weekend in Toronto. He's been one of the top goaltenders in the game once again. So this is a Stanley Cup bust or uh, you know season for the New York Rangers. I think anything less than winning the Stanley Cup would be considered a disappointment, and there's not much more that they have to add to this mix. I just think going out and getting somebody who's a top-six, top-nine caliber type winger might just be the, the tonic to put them over the top. Scott, always appreciate you taking some time out for us here in Calgary. Uh, enjoy the hockey the next couple of weeks. I'm sure we'll be checking in with you when the news starts coming in around the trade deadline, sir. I look forward to it. Thanks, boys. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you as well. Scott Laughlin joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline, Sirius XM, NHL Network radio host. You can find him on Twitter at LaughlinSXM. Uh, one of the great uh, Sirius XM NHL Network radio voices. Great voice. Uh, great, uh, great insight from uh, from Scott. He's yeah, great. one of the best to go around the league with. Anytime we want to check in on a couple different stories around the league, Scott's always got the pulse of what's going on uh, across the NHL. Appreciate him Appreciate him joining us down the Atlas Peach and Sports Bar guest hotline. We're about to finish off the week uh, here on Sportsnet 960, uh, and that means we turn things over to you next. We open up. The Friday DMs to close out the week. It's anything goes at 960-960. Questions, comments, trade proposals, restaurant recommendations, whatever you want to ask myself and Julian, we open the Friday DMs around the corner to close out the week. Start getting them in at 960-960. We'll close out the week with the Friday DMs next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Just about into the weekend, one game for the Calgary Flames on tap. It's the Edmonton Oilers, another edition of the Battle of Alberta. If you want to get some insight on the next opponent for the Calgary Flames, well, you can watch them tonight. Part of three games on the NHL schedule. Sportsnet West has you covered with the Minnesota Wild and the Edmonton Oilers at 7 p.m., Five o'clock, you got the Sabres and the Blue Jackets. Six thirty, Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks hosting the Winnipeg Jets. Logan Gordon, Julian McKenzie, along with you, Connor and Cam, our outstanding producers on this Friday edition of Sportsnet today. And Julian, it's time to close things out like we always do on a Friday. We hand the topics of the show to the people. Anything that they want to know. Burning questions. We don't limit it to just the Flames mailbag or the NHL mailbag. If you've got questions about life. How'd you say bag? Big? Bag. You don't say bag? I say it like you say it. I heard bag. Mailbag. Yeah, mailbag. 
No, that hurt big. You're not bag. I say bag. You say big. You have thrown me for a loop, sir. Say mailbag. Say mail. Mail. Bag. Bag. Mailbag. Mailbag. Am I crazy? Am I? I'm hearing a little big in there. You're hearing bag. Yep. You say bag. Say not bagel. 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 Say bag. Bag. No, like it was bag and bagel. Am I high right now? Bag and bagel what are two happening? different pronunciations. For me, anyway. Potato. Potato, potato. But that's different from bag and bagel. <laughs> you, wow, holy crap. You say, because like I always thought Ontarians. This is so weird. I thought Ontarians were the only people who said world bag. I'm living in? Who said bag and what not bag. What the hell is happening? You say mail, you said bag and not bag. Yeah, the mail bag. This is did, not did it the again. mail bag. He just did it again. You're saying bag. You're Logan. saying bag. That's how you say it. No, you're you're I mean, I mean I don't know. I can't get it. People people pronounce this differently. Someone just texted and listening to this, I wish I was high. I completely understand. <laughs> but all that to say, like I just just I heard something weird. I'm sorry. Bag or bag? Bag. That's what I'm saying. No, you're not. Unbelievable. Oh my god. Okay. Sorry. Can we get to the questions for uh, the Friday DMs? Kill a cam. It's, yeah, just hit. Who still uses that old mailbox? Time to bring it into the 21st century. Your burning questions answered on the Friday DMs. (laughs) You've got questions. We've got answers. Not answers like, why am I listening to this? Or how did we get down this road? Shout out to whoever texted in. You both sound like Toronto media right now. Quit being weird. Signed, everyone from Alberta. I am from Alberta. I'm not from Toronto. Yeah. So I don't know what the point is. Your Eastern bias showing through. I, <laughs> I Look, my Eastern bias, I say bag. Anyway. Bagel. I mean, you would say bagel, but bagel. It's not, that's besides the point. It's besides the you point. started this. Yeah, because you said bag. Which is exactly what you said. No, I said bag. Nope. I'm not about to fight with you on radio, okay? It's, it's Friday. It, yeah, it is Friday, and that's why it's the Friday DMs, where we open it up to the listeners if there's any left. Nine sixty, nine sixty. All three of y'all. Uh, All whatever you want, whatever you want to talk about, except for pronunciations. Oh God. Nine six zero nine six zero. Get your questions in. Cam will present them to us here, and uh, we'll we'll answer. Anything to the best of our ability that won't get us fined by the CRTC or a phone call from our boss. Actually, I will take a phone call from the boss if I have to, but <laughs> I don't want to talk to him enough. Yeah, he's not, not that bad of a person to talk to on the phone. Yeah, that's okay. He's okay. I'd rather uh, not. Uh, Cam, I imagine there's uh, a couple of DMs in the uh, there's in a the message here. board right now. Yeah. Uh, Justin Mar- Marlborough wants to know, what is your favorite brewery in the city? Ooh. I don't know if I have one. Yeah, I don't know if I have one. Not to say I don't go to bars and stuff. I don't know if I have a favorite brewery. I don't know. I mean, Logan, you probably have one. I do. Uh, Vacate Bruco. Part of uh, Miranda in the Curry Barracks. Okay. Um, My guys, Brad and Andrew. Killing it. Out at Vacay, if you haven't been, 
Uh, they're part of a collab with Burwood Distilleries. They've got kick-ass food. They're bringing out new beers all the time. Look, I'm a sucker for, for pretty much anything. Uh, a good brewery is a good brewery to me. Uh, I love Cold Garden. There's yeah. a number of great places I love. Cold Garden and Old and Old Beautiful are probably up there for me. Uh, we love Wild Rose and everything they do with us. Bitter Sisters is great. Yeah. Um, but if I had to pick my absolute favorite, uh, it's my guys at Vacate Bruco. If you haven't checked them out, if you haven't grabbed some of their beer, do yourself a favor and, and get to Vacate, get to Veranda. You will thoroughly enjoy your experience. Okay, then I'll I'll say Cold Garden because I really enjoy, especially on warm spring summer days, just hanging out, drinking the selection that they have as well, uh, just kicking it with a couple friends, whether they happen to be from Sportsnet 960 or some of my other colleagues in the media world. Always great to hang out with them uh, outside of Cold Garden and Old Beautiful next to it as well. Yeah. Really great spot as well. So I, w- I would say those two places. Uh, this one doesn't have a name on it. Please remember name and location on the text. Uh, would Who you, are you, George Rustic from Ontario? I, I, I Niagara did feel, Falls, forcing the, the locations on people of, here. It, it's just stand, it's just standard, right? Cam's you want the a sheriff now? I mean, at the end of the day, like <laughs> considering some of the stuff that gets brought in here, like the guy who said we sound like Toronto Media right now. Signed to everyone from Alberta. You won't even put his whole name on that. He's just hiding behind an entire province. Stop. It's actually kind of cowardly behavior Stop. when you really think about Stop it. That. So that's why you're supposed to have you're, the name and the location. You're antagonizing the listeners. Uh, would you do? It's not the worst thing I've said to it. <laughs> it's not the worst thing I've said to its site. The text slide oh on the show. Anyway, uh, would you do a trade for Chris Tanev and in return uh, a second and TJ Brody? Repeat the trade again. Chris Tanev for a second pick, a second round pick, and TJ Brody. Um, oh, boy. I have to see what's left on that deal. Yeah, the big thing for me do is, do is do. how much are you taking in on TJ Brody? TJ Brody is a UFA at the end of the year. Oh, I mean, the salary comes off. The only reason I'll say no to that is because I can't imagine Toronto wants to take another defenseman off of their roster yeah that's the only problem i don't know that i have a problem with the return like if it winds up being a second and something for chris tanev i'm not sure i'm going to be upset by that i just i think toronto needs to add to their d and if you take out tj brody who i I know he's not the same tj brody he's not an all-star or anything like that but I still think that that's too many subtractions for Toronto, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I think that if, if this was a situation where the Toronto Maple Leafs were offloading a second-round pick and a lesser prospect, I think that's a likely deal that Brad Tree Living would be more willing to offer. Offloading TJ Brody, you, you have a defenseman leaving, you have a defenseman coming in, and you lose a draft pick in the process. Eh. And also, if in that case, that second-round pick... I'm trying to remember the Leafs draft pick situation. That's not a draft pick as far as I'm concerned. That's coming from this year. They don't have one for the next three years. So you want a 2027 second round pick in TJ Brody for Chris Tanev? I'd pass. Okay. uh, Quick fantasy hockey question for you guys. Would you do a trade of Leon Dreisaitl for Barkov and Evander Kane? Purely fantasy. Keeper league or no? It does not say. That's from Evan in Calgary. Mm. Say that again. Leon Dreisaitl for Barkov and Evander Kane. It's so hard not knowing the parameters. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, leaning toward, I'm leaning towards a no. 
Do you have shots? Do you record hits? I'd probably say no. I'm leaning towards a no. Uh, from Caden High River, best bar in downtown Edmonton for pregame Saturday? Uh, hmm. the, I mean, there's a few of these everywhere, but I mean, by the way, our, our fantasy guy just texted and it's not a keeper league, not a keeper league. I'd, I'd probably say no. Um, when I went to the pint once, which was pretty good, there's a bar that I was recommended in Edmonton that I might go to, and I'm trying to remember the name of the spot. It might, it the might, one that I can think of right next to the, it's right in the ice district is the banquet. Banquet's good. Really nice spot. Good food. Good selection of drinks. Banquet is really good. I and like it's banquet. right in the ice district. It's so literally right there. You you literally can't go wrong. It's a busy spot, but they've got a ton of space. Um, I haven't been to as many Edmonton bars, but if I was to recommend you a place, then I would say uh, the banquet. I was recommended uh, Pub 1905. I'm not familiar with that place, uh, but I've been... It seems like it's a decent spot. I'm not sure if anyone on the text lines heard about it. That was a place that was recommended to me this week. Uh, this one's from Heather in Calgary. I'm just going to read this one off verbatim. What do you guys think about the impact of Mark Savard and the power play and, quote, or complete lack thereof this season? Uh, says, as a season ticket holder, I'm beyond frustrated with watching a specials team unit uh, that has gone nowhere all season, especially since Mark Savard was supposed to be the answer. I still think the personnel on this team with regards to that power play is not ideal for what they're trying to run. Just off of how, and I get juniors very different from the NHL, but younger, dynamic, quick thinking, just pure quick players who are able to make that system work. They made that system sing in Windsor. And the one year Mark Zubard was coaching a power play at the NHL level, it was like a top three or top five power play of the St. Louis Blues. Like Mark Savard has shown up until this point that he is capable of running a power play. And the fact that it has not succeeded at the NHL level, I wonder how much different it would look with more dynamic players on the offensive. And, I, and, and the Flames have some of that to some degree, but you could tell throughout chunks of the year it's been an adjustment to get the pace down. They want things to be a lot quicker in terms of moving the puck around and even getting shots on net. And it seems as if this team is was is for a good chunk of time this season was still trying to adjust to that. I still think it's the personnel still has to be figured out in that regard. We've seen some glimpses where they've looked better. Andre Kuzmenko seems like he's okay with occupying that spot kind of near the net or behind the net when he gets that chance, but maybe he needs more time with it too. But I think there have been some times where the pace looks better and they are getting chances and they have been getting goals every now and again, too. But, yeah, I, I can understand the frustration with it. It does need to be it does need to be better. I mean, last year we were looking at the power play and it was being led by, by Kirk Muller and with a lot of the same personnel. Yeah. And it just it wasn't good last year either. Nope. And the fact that it's worse statistically, it's that's not good on them either. No, uh, would I say that Mark Savard has been the savior to the power play that many hoped he would be? No, that's no. that's pretty obvious. But as Julian made a good point, you're only as good as the tools you have at your disposal. And now with Elias Lindholm gone, uh, you know, it's certainly starting to look like a different card. Uh, you know, deck of cards that, that Mark Savard has to work with now with Sharon Govich and, and Kuzmenko in there, then the group that Kirk Muller had. But for the most part... 
a lot of the names are the same. There just really aren't guys that you associate as power play merchants on this team that you really think of that, you know, you're going to get that one timer off of, or you're going to get that, that elite puck movement moving around on a power play unit. So yes, obviously part of it falls on Mark Savard. I think that's fair. I think he would tell you that, but at the same time, I still put the majority of the onus on the players that are out there, the skill sets that they have. And I'll be curious to see maybe as a guy like Oliver Shillington used more on the power play, the more he gets uh, comfortable. And maybe once we see a Noah Hannafin trade who we've seen on the power play units, maybe 58 gets some of that time and maybe um, his offensive IQ can lead to uh, some more power play success. But I understand why you're frustrated. It's been a frustrating unit. All year long. It's been a frustrating. I mean, I know they're they're the flames are still within reach of a playoff spot, but I can understand to a certain degree it's a frustrating year for fans. Uh, we're gonna keep alternating, I think, hockey and non hockey. So this one's just for Julian. Okay. Since moving to Calgary, what has been your biggest pleasant surprise and the biggest letdown about moving here? Um the biggest surprise for me is how this is just my observation, walking around downtown. This is the downtown culture of the city. Overall, I, I I think in some pockets of the city, they're trying to look trendy. You're trying to appeal to having younger people in certain areas. And that's cool. But I will never forget this one experience I had walking through the business district on a Saturday. And, you know, we, we talk about places being so quiet, like there was no one around. And like me and this friend of mine who was visiting from from Montreal, like we were literally whispering to each other. So there's been some adjustment to that. I'll say that that's maybe closer to a letdown. I, I sometimes wish that the downtown was a little bit more vibrant. But the biggest surprise for me, I think it's the people. It's always going to be the people. I, I, I love the the people of Calgary and how polite they are and how nice they are and how welcoming they are and how much more diverse of a city than I was originally giving it credit for. And I think maybe in the, in the downtown area, you see certain types of people. But if you go up into like the northeast, like you see all these different communities of, 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 of Indian Sikh people, of, of different African communities as well. Like Calgary has a little bit of a, of a mini like cultural hub. They have like a whole international avenue as well that I'm very surprised about. I was not really tipped off on that before I, I, I moved here. And I've been pleasantly surprised about that. There's been a whole bunch of other things I would I would probably put up there, but I think for the purposes of your question, I'll say that. This is the Friday DMs. He's Julian McKenzie. I'm Logan Gordon. We turn the show over to you to close out every week. You got questions. They don't have to be sports related. You want to ask about the Flames, trade deadline. You have NFL questions, NBA. We'll take uh, NFL questions. Generally NBA. anything, you know, about Julian's experience here in Calgary. Uh now's the time to do it at nine six zero nine six zero. Cam, what else we got? Uh, do you guys think AJ Greer is going to make it back on the team once he's healthy again? I mean, if he's healthy, uh, I think you'd find a spot for him. He was one of their more consistent forces on a fourth line that's been a revolving door of forwards all year long. Um, I don't know if you've heard any different, Julian. I haven't heard anything about um, him back towards skating or anything like that. So he's still in that. Uh... He's still in a boot last I saw. So I don't, I don't know if he's skating anytime soon. Uh, but for, for AJ, for AJ Greer. Yeah. Up and when he was healthy, he looked like a decent 
fourth liner for this team. I know before he got injured, there was a little bit of a slide for him. But for good parts of the year, he did look productive in that role. The big question is now is when he is healthy, what's the fourth line going to look like? This team's still trying to find a combination that will really work. And maybe they have something. I think they had something with the Jacob Peltier, uh, Kevin Rooney dynamic on that fourth line. And then you have Walker Dewar on the right-hand side. Uh, where does AJ Greer fit if Peltier holds on to that spot? You know, like it, 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 I don't know if if any other moves have to happen in order to accommodate him, but AJ Greer might have to wait a little bit until an opportunity arises for him, or 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 some other player has to come out the lineup to accommodate him. But yeah, a bit of an unfortunate time, unfortunate timing for AJ Greer, who I think was okay on that fourth line. He was playing his playing some decent hockey and was on the verge of probably setting a career high in points at his pace, but you can't really do anything when you've got that boot on that I'll, foot. I'll tack this on you. Would you re-sign AJ Greer for next season? Same money? Um, Boy, where do you fit him? I think you have a much clearer picture if you could figure out where you can fit him. I mean, I think he'd be fine on that fourth line and you have him in that bottom six, but... If there are other kids that are pushing for spots, again, if Peltier, where he's fitting in that lineup to Kevin Rooney, that's a good question as far as I'm concerned. UFA, Kevin Rooney's a UFA. Yeah, that's another question. Do you sign, do you keep Kevin Rooney? Walker Dewar hasn't exactly blown anybody's doors off this year. But he's a right winger. Can AJ Greer play on the right side? Walker Dewar has that on him, and this team doesn't have a lot of right shots. I'd at least consider it. I at least consider it for sure. I think I'd I'd be willing to bring AJ Greer back. I I I I don't have a problem with bringing him back. My question is, is just where does he fit? Uh, Ryan in Calgary wants to know: Do you guys think that the Blue Jays will make another move prior to season starting to improve their team, uh, whether that be adding another pitcher or adding another bat? Uh, unfortunately, Ryan, it sure doesn't sound that way. Ross Atkins addressed the media a couple days ago when the uh, full squad met up in Dunedin. Uh, to get spring training underway and uh, was pretty clear that if they were going to make another addition, it would mean a uh, subtraction somewhere else in the lineup. So perhaps a trade or they'd have to move somebody out uh, if they wanted to bring somebody in. So it sure looks like Justin Turner is going to be the big ad. They're going to hope maybe a Daniel Vogelbach or something like that. Um you know, can revive some of his former hitting prowess and come in and be an option for them. But sure doesn't sound like they're like a a Chapman doesn't sound probable or anybody else that you might be holding out hope for. It sounds like the Jays are kind of done their spending for now. Yeah. I'm still a bit surprised that Cody Bellinger is still out there. And I'm very curious what, that might have looked like if if he put on the Blue Jays colors, what the asking price would have been, if that ultimately caused uh, Jays management to walk away from him. I, I mean, I, I I I mean, I like I like the idea of having bats on a team, especially on a team like the Blue Jays that have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and and Bo Bichette raking, and they don't have Teoscar Hernandez anymore. I don't think it would have hurt for them to have Cody Bellinger, but if they feel Justin Turner's the guy, if they feel Vogelbach can fill in a gap and. If they don't feel they need Matt Chapman, I mean, I guess that is what it is. Uh, next one's for you. Just a generic one. Which quadrant of the city is the best, and why is it the Northwest? Um, I grew up in the south part of the city, so I'm going to rep southwest quadrant, but 
I have no beef with other quadrants in the city. I have no other beefs with quadrants in the city. I think uh, a- each quadrant has its own unique charm and appeal. So I have no reason to have any smoke with any part of the great city of Calgary. Uh, this one's from Jeremy in Saddle Ridge. Uh, who is, he asked for your specific, but I'll just say in general, who are some of your favorite guests you've ever had to talk to on on your shows? Oh, man. I've only Ooh. been here for like a couple of weeks. I mean, Adnan Verk is definitely right up there. We have him every Thursday on this show. Um, I can't think of, I mean, I don't think we've really had any bad guests as long as I've been here. I'm sure Logo has more uh, to add to that. but um, I mean, we have had bad guests. I mean, I'm sure, yeah. But like, I, I haven't really had a guest on the show where it's like, oh, man, like this. This dude sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, favorites, you put Verk near the top of the list. If not, there's a reason he's been on the radio station for years, Man, literally here in Calgary. He's and- great. I still think of, of that time we had him on, and he just went scorched earth on Tom Cruise. He could touch anything. The guy, The guy's honestly one of the nicest human beings out there, period, and the level of sport knowledge that he's garnered, whether it was his time at the score, ESPN, MLB network, NHL network, he had a short stint with WWE. Um, like the guy's sporting knowledge is second to none. The events that he gets to cover and the fact that he's willing to bring you into it uh, as a listener, he's, he's by far one of the best. Um, I'll give a shout out to Ailish, Ailish Forfar. Ailish Forfar is really cool. Who we've had on Wednesdays this year is the first time getting to know her. Uh, she was kind of a suggestion from a couple people out east in Toronto about, you know, maybe looking for some regulars to have on the show. And she's been um, dominating it every single time she comes on. She's got great personality, uh, just a lot of fun to chat with. So those are some of the ones that got up. I'm sure I'm missing some greats on there, but those are the two that come to mind right away. Uh, I think I'm just glad, happy to be a part of the show and talk to whoever we have on. I, I enjoyed talking to Avery uh, today and Scott Laughlin, uh, who I didn't really know much about before this week, was was really good with us. Um, trying to, Scott Wheeler yesterday, that was really cool. The, I had an old podcast a couple years ago, and Scott was the very first guest I ever had on. So t- to have Scott Wheeler on as a guest on radio, that was really cool. Just a kind of a personal thing for me. I met Marchese, the kind of the same deal with him. Uh, from a couple weeks back, uh, we, we go back a, a little way too. Uh, there's some sentimental value with some of the guests that I've been able to talk to on Sportsnet Radio, but uh, I'm really happy for anyone who's willing to uh, willing to take in questions from uh, Logo and myself. Uh, yeah, shoot, makes a good point. We'll close out on that. I can't forget Andy McNamara. Yeah, I can't forget about him. Either. AMC brings good. the heat every single week for fantasy football, for NFL. Uh, that's a really good pull from Shoops, and that seems like a good place. To uh, close out the Friday DMs, he's Julian McKenzie. I'm Logan Gordon. Uh, appreciate you sending your text into 960-960. We'll do it again next week to close out the week. Uh, but appreciate uh, you guys jumping in on the show. It was a busy day. Scott Laughlin joined us. Uh, Avery Lewis McDougal joined us, host of the Avery Sports Show, talking all things Flames and Oilers ahead of this weekend. It's been a busy, busy show. Our outstanding producers have been Cam and Connor, thanks to their great work. And uh, thanks to you for joining us as always, Julian. Have a safe trip up to Edmonton, pal. Thanks, my man. Uh, I will see you uh, next week. Sounds good. He's Julian McKenzie. Uh, You can find him on Twitter or covering the Calgary Flames for The Athletic, of course. Uh, I'm Logan Gordon. Thanks to uh, Cam and Connor once again. You can find us if you missed any content on our podcast, Google, 
Amazon, or your favorite pod catcher. Have a great Friday night. Have a great weekend. Back on a Monday here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Peace.